Hello and welcome to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant monsters and the giant nerds who love them. I'm Lee and I love giant monster movies. And I'm Sarah and I wanted to make a podcast about sourdough bread. I, hmm. No. Rising near you? Oh, how about rising to the occasion? <laughs> uh, that's all the puns I got. Oh, I thought mine was better. But it okay. was, okay. yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to tell you, I got the most, the funniest feedback about our intros process. So Vienna listened and she said she thought it was kind of weird that we act like we've just met. (laughs) (laughs) I never got that feeling. We're in a boardroom and it's like, how are you? And she's like, I know you already know how he is. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently, uh, so maybe we come off as a little, uh, a little formal in our... (laughs) Well, we're easing into the podcast. It's how we, it's just how we do it, I think. Okay. All right. No, yeah. I'm just telling you, I thought you'd think that was funny. <laughs> this was a while ago. All right. Well, hi, Vienna, for starters. And if second, you're still listening, if you haven't just given up. <laughs> how are you, Sarah? <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good. This is the first podcast that we're recording here in Alaska. Yeah, we've been on the move these past couple of weeks. We've been in four states. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we weren't really in Washington for very long. We were in Washington for like one night. That doesn't really count. Uh, well, yeah. No, that's actually two nights because we stayed that one night in eastern Washington on the way to Sandpoint. Yeah. Oh, or- my Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Alaska. Washington, finally Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel like that's probably, that's just kind of normal for me because growing up at least partially in Idaho my experience even just to get to the state capital is you know have to go through Washington Oregon so (laughs) just kind of transiting through these states is normal to me I think um people on the east coast might not even understand Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) well how far away are we from Juneau right now um what I tell people when they ask me like whether we're close to your family is that it's sort of like the distance between Minnesota and Florida and and it really, I think the metaphor holds up when you think about mm. the difference in climates as well. Yeah, uh, and it is about the about the same distance. Mm-hmm. Well, they do have some snow down there. <laughs> sure. Well, we're all. I mean, all of it is shifted north, but yeah. we have a lot of snow here. Yes, and it's uh, not going away for a while. No, the snow is just part of the landscape here. We're driving on it. We're walking on it. It's we're walking on lakes. Yeah. The the shuttle driver told me that he actually much prefers it when there's snow on the ground because as soon as the snow starts to thaw the roads just tear apart i believe it i mean there's there's a lot of factors too of like they're being driven over you can't you can't asphalt anything here like nothing is concrete because it'll get torn apart by the permafrost but then also the permafrost is shifting so you've got a lot of just a lot of stuff going on with the roads here and they're muddy typically yeah everything moves up here yep during the summer and then the winter i think too yeah. But anyway, so that's where we're at here. Yeah. Um, I saw a little bit of Northern Lights last night. Oh, yeah. That's why you told me that. We're, we're on the hunt, but it's actually getting kind of late in the season, unfortunately, mm-hmm. especially here because pe- people don't really come up here to see the Northern Lights. You can see them in Fairbanks and their days are still shorter in Fairbanks, but our our days are getting real, real short here now. Yeah. We ended up on the other side of the Northern Lights. We have to look south for it now. <laughs> right. Right. But um, in order, like uh, the sun goes down at what, like 1030, comes mm. up at seven. So it's, yeah. uh, there's not a lot of time to, for it to get dark enough to mm. see the Northern Lights. But 
And last night was actually a full moon too, so that didn't really help matters. <laughs> yeah. Um, tonight may be better. We're supposed to be higher energy tomorrow, tonight, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll it's stay up. Day and off and we'll see what we see. Um, oh my gosh, that's something else I was going to say. Oh yeah, you're trying to get into sourdough bread, bread baking. Why don't you tell us about Stuart, the newest addition to our family? Uh, you better start with how we acquired him. So Sarah put Nafi B onto Facebook to find some sourdough bread and just some advice on like... Um, Shipping. Yeah. An Amazon package that just disappeared for what, like a week? Uh, it was... Honestly, they kind of shamed me for even asking because... <laughs> It hadn't been gone for very long in this the scale of geologic time, the way that things work around here. Someone yeah. was like, yeah, I've, my package has been lost since January. We're new here, so we're trying to figure out all that stuff. No, it's fine. Everyone on that group is super nice. Yeah. And a lot of people basically wrote to me privately or on the, that page to say, you know, you can just make your own sourdough starter, <laughs> which is not quite what I was looking for because you were hoping to kind of jump into it. Yeah. In the end, it still ended up taking like a week either way, so it doesn't matter too much in the end. But you asked for some sourdough starter, and someone was happy to give us some. So I walked over to her husband's place of work, talked to him for a little bit, and he gave me a bag full of sourdough starter that was already named Stuart. Stuart. So we made some pasta and put Stuart into a um, sauce jar. A spaghetti sauce jar. I can, I'm currently watching him expand on top of the fridge right now. Wait, he's, I gotta see too. He's doing the work. He's gonna blow up that jar, Lee. He's not gonna blow he's it gonna up. blow it up. No, the lid's just like sitting on top of it. I don't want any pressure to build up. I don't want Stuart to blow up the house. <laughs> Stuart will blow up if he goes less than 50 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong movie. Oh no, I'm mixing my metaphors. Anyways, I want to try and stay a little busy by learning how to make some sourdough bread because everything is kind of expensive up here and I thought that might be a fun way to get bread. As usual, Lee is about a year behind the curve. Hey, that means there's lots of advice out there for me. That's true. Yeah, that's probably the only reason you were able to even get a sourdough starter. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think it's I think it's great, especially here in Alaska because the sourdough bread is such an important part of our, our Alaskan heritage. Yeah. And uh, I think it's probably like, oh, you and I were talking about this. I think it's like the most American food that there mm -hmm. is. So much of American food is junk food. And <laughs> so sourdough as like an art form and a survival tactic, I think is really powerful from a cultural standpoint. Yeah. And just the way that there's so many different strains and everyone has their own and you can cultivate it and share it. And sourdough starters, one of those things you can give someone without losing any yourself. Yeah. It's kind of like love, I guess. Mm -hmm. That was well. too deep. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't do anything with it, you end up having to throw some of it away anyways, so... Well, yeah, you always have to discard it anyways, whether you're discarding it into pancakes or a bread or discarding it just, like, into the trash, which, mm. unfortunately, is what we had to do today because I'm still working on building a pantry here. And I'm still trying to build up that starter because we didn't actually get very much to start with. I think we got plenty. It's fine. <laughs> um, so what what are we drinking this morning? Uh, we are still drinking our... Um, Roseburg, Oregon coffee. It's from Tequila Coffee Roasters in Roseburg. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't have any complaints. Sorry, I guess I'm a little low energy this morning. <laughs> I'm trying. Oh my gosh, because this is my first week of work last week, and I'm that knocks the wind out of me real bad. Yeah. Uh, well, you could also just say it's the colder temperature slowing you down. It's true. I feel like my metabolic rate has slowed, mm. but I'm hungry all the time. It's so cold out there. I know I haven't really been running much because whenever we go for a walk, it just burns so much of those calories. Yeah, I mean, 
it's so much extra energy just to even move when it's negative 30 mm-hmm. and then it's windy and my eyelashes freeze together <laughs> yeah i've had to learn how to like cover my ears and stuff like that to deal with that minus 30 minus 40 cold <laughs> well, and i'm an asthmatic so i have the additional like i have to cover my face when i go outside there's no i can't breathe the air my mm-hmm. lungs start to go funny to me though nowadays when it's like Oh, you know, it's only like minus 10. It's actually pretty warm. And I, oh my gosh. I saw a guy in shorts when it was negative 10. <laughs> <laughs> One of the guys from down the hall is like, OMG, it's warm outside. And he went around like talking to people in his shorts. I think it was just like a power play Yeah, on his part. But when we're walking around and stuff and it gets that quote unquote warm, um, I end up like taking off my gloves or unzipping one of my many layers. <laughs> well, I think part of that is because so much of it is wind chill. Here, it's it's not quite as cold without the wind chill. So if you're standing in the sun and there's not a wind, it's really not that bad. Mm. I don't know. Or maybe we're just starting to acclimate. I'm going to hope it's the second one because <laughs> I need to acclimate. I cannot live like this. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the movie that we watched. Enough of making this even more access- inaccessible than it already was. <laughs> oh, 10 minutes in and you want to talk about the movie that we watched? This movie that I hated? Yes, I'm ready to talk about it. I can't believe you hated this. Deal with it. We uh, watched Godzilla King of the Monsters, which came out in 2019. Okay, it's uh, if you want to watch it yourself, which I don't recommend. I you do. Can w- <laughs> you can watch it uh, on HBO Max, HBO, a- HBO Amazon. Yeah, um, there HBO has multiple versions of their streaming service it is stupid but hbo amazon is like an add-on you can get yeah so like when we went to go visit mom and sen they had both of them unintentionally oh, did you don't you remember mom's like why is amazon paying or why am i paying amazon all this money and it turned out that mom was paying for hbo and so was sen mm-hmm. anyways so you can get this in any of the hbo's it seems like as yeah. well as a direct tv yep. do people still have that uh, i guess so yeah you can't have satellite tv in alaska (laughs) even in like southeast alaska the satellites they look like they're pointing at the ground it's really weird you can have satellite tv in southeast yeah but have you have you noticed that instead of pointing up the satellites kind of point down a little bit or the satellite dishes they're almost horizontal yeah but we had it like we had to go out and like readjust it whenever it got windy yeah we used when i was a kid we used to to go clean off the satellite dish (laughs) for the snow but um anyways you can rent it you said they said everywhere. I'm assuming even like Amazon Prime and YouTube and that kind of place. Yeah, all of yeah. those places. Three ninety nine for that, and then if you want, you can buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, four K, twenty five million K, whatever you want. Well, yeah, and all the same places you can rent it. You can also buy it digitally for anywhere between nine and sixteen dollars. Oh, okay, that's what you're trying to say. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. All right. So this movie was directed by Michael Doherty uh, with music by Barry McCreary. Yep. It has a runtime of 132 minutes or two hours, 42 minutes. Oh, I knew it was long. Mm-hmm. For heaven's sakes, Lee. Um, was it two hours and 42? That might have been a typo. I think it's supposed right to be 12. That doesn't seem right for 132 minutes. <laughs> okay, we're doing some math here. Two hours and 12 minutes. That was a typo. All right. This movie was directed by Michael Doherty uh, with music by Bear McCreary. It has a runtime of 132 minutes or two hours and 12 minutes, which is actually still pretty long. Hello. Yeah, but that that's actually kind of average these days. Oh, my God. Movies are so long. <laughs> I cannot deal with it. Okay. You have like an, a college admission essay here of all of the different kaiju that when they appear and what they're doing. And it's not even all of them. Like, well, you know what? I'm going to go get more coffee. You're on your own for this one. <laughs> that's a lie. We're out of coffee. I drank it all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, you're still going to have to read it by yourself. 
the movie opens up in San Francisco where we meet the main character and see Godzilla at the first minute in. Uh, six minutes later, we get to see Mothra the larva. And then 11 minutes in, you get to see the Mudo from the last movie on TV. It says there are 17 known Titans, actually 18, because that 17 does not include Godzilla. Um, 18 minutes in, you get to see the baby birded Mudo head from that first movie. <laughs> They just have it up on a wall in one of the monarch in facilities. In a bar somewhere. Like, haha, I shot this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Godzilla shows up to like taunt slash test monarch of just under a half hour in. We see a frozen Ghidorah 23 minutes in and then him unfrozen 38 minutes in. We finally get the full look of Godzilla 42 minutes and ready to fight Ghidorah. Rodan shows up 55 minutes in. Then there's a monster montage and um, we see like a giant spider named Scylla and Methuselah, which is just like a mountain with a dragon head. <laughs> um, we see a metamorphosed Mothra an hour and nine minutes in where they are the full moth. Um, there's the a full moth, baby. Yep. Never go full moth. They did go full moth in this movie. Yep. Uh, we have a second monster montage at an hour and 12 minutes in. Um, near the end of the movie, they reveal that humans are the last Titan, the last Alpha Titan. And then right at the end of the movie at one, one hour, 59 minutes, a bunch of kaiju show up to bow to Godzilla. So there's a lot of kaiju in this. Yeah, this movie kind of reminded me of, was, was it Destroy All Monsters where it felt like it was really gratuitous and they were just had a lot of random monsters in there mm-hmm. that were from other franchises and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what this kind of reminded me of a little bit, except for that movie was better, but it really wasn't that great. So <laughs> even Destroy All Monsters was, I mean, I had the same complaint about that movie. It was like, I don't even... This is not necessary, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, all right. I was going to have you do a one minute synopsis, but it seems like you just did one. And also I don't have my phone on me. So (laughs) yeah, you threw your phone on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to get rid of it. I didn't tell you to get rid of it. I told you to put it on silent. You told me to throw it on the floor. (laughs) I did not tell you to do that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Should I throw yours on the floor too? Please don't. It's already sad. Uh, One minute are you ready oh yeah ready sure go our main character is dr mark russell who um hang on stop okay <laughs> i'm sorry what I is going on over I there figure out how to start it again <laughs> you told me it's to go running. go what just run a timer and tell me when it goes to one minute or a stopwatch go to stopwatch i don't really appreciate <laughs> go our, our main character is Dr. Mark Russell, <laughs> who sadly lost his son in the events of the 2014 Godzilla movie. Um, his wife, Dr. Emma Russell, is um, a researcher from Monarch along, and just has their daughter with her. Um, she turns on Monarch and starts to work for an eco-terrorist to raise all of the Titans up to raise the world and put them back in control of it so that things come back to normal because humans have been destroying the world. I think at one point she even uses the classic lines of where the disease, something like that. (laughs) Uh, Lots of stuff happens. Kaiju fight Kaiju. Godzilla nearly dies, then gets blown up and brought back to life and finally eats King Ghidorah. Okay, that's it. (laughs) 
How long was that? 57 seconds. That wasn't too bad. No. Is there anything you want to add? Dr. Sarazawa dies. It's very sad. Yeah. Here, do you want me to just load on the floor? No. Okay, fine. <laughs> if you change your mind, let me know. <laughs> no, my phone is like trying to die as it is. It do- I don't need you chucking it around. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, so this movie has a lot of characters in it. Kyle Chandler, uh, who I think is like discount Gerard Butler. I can't even say for sure what Gerard Butler looks like. This he is looks the first like Kyle movie. Chandler. Kyle Chandler looks like a cross between Gerard Butler and who's the one from New Zealand that is in a lot of stuff. Um, he was in the new Thor movie. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Come on. What's He's in name? a lot of movies. Uh, uh, Kyle. No. No. Uh, he was in Star Trek, too. Yeah. Uh, God, how can I forget? Carl Urban. Carl Urban. He's one of my favorite <laughs> actors. <laughs> Clearly not. Okay. I am uh, notoriously bad with names. Kyle Chandler looks like Walmart decided to produce a product that was halfway between Carl Urban and Gerard Butler. <laughs> and that is what he is. All right. All right. Well. Uh, and then we've got Vera Farmiga as Dr. Emma Russell. Millie Bobby Brown plays Madison Russell, their daughter, and kind of has those main character po- powers where she does all kinds of stuff but never gets hurt from it. I have the same complaint about Kyle Chandler's character, to be honest, <laughs> but we can talk about that later. Uh, right. We got Bradley Whitford as Dr. Rick Stanton. He's a cryptosonographer. That's what uh, one of the PDAs said. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk about bioacoustics, so that's fair. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, he he was told his character was supposed to semi-based off of Rick from Rick and, Rick and Morty. Wow. How original. Yeah. Okay, so Sally Hawkins is back as Dr. Vivian Graham, and we got Ken Watanabe as Dr. Ishiro Serizawa. Yep. Uh, Charles Dance plays Alan Jonah, the antagonist eco-terrorist of this movie. Okay, except for really, King Ghidorah is the antagonist. Okay, he's the human antagonist. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, Thomas Middleditch plays Sam Coleman, the monarch's director of technology. And now, if you're wor- wondering who's Thomas Middleditch, what has he been in? The answer is everything. This guy is in a lot of stuff. And interestingly, right, just right now, there's allegations of uh, abuse and stuff against him. Mm. So he's in the news right now. He has, I think he was doing Saturday Night Live for a while and that's kind of where he got his start. But he is on the T-Mobile commercials and he's been in just a ton of movies. And he's on a a show, I think called Silicon Valley. Mm. That's kind of what he's doing now. But he's also in this movie and boo! He, um yeah, he plays uh, comic relief in this. Totally unnecessary character, <laughs> incidentally. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, David Strathern returns as Admiral William Stentz, the military leader that they most interact with in this. So we've got uh, Zhang Ji as doctors Eileen and Ling Chen, their twin sister mythologists working for Monarch. Yep. Uh, Dr. Eileen is the one that we spend more time with in this movie, but you sh- you can see... Dr. Ling Chen uh, in one or two scenes where she's with Mothra. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to represent the Shobijin. Yes. Because the movie actually says that their their mother was a twin sister as well. So I originally thought that they were supposed to be like the descendants of San Lin from King Kong, but apparently they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Joe Morton is an older Dr. Houston Brooks. He was in Skull Island. Yeah. Not the actor, but the character. Uh, I also have included uh, Aisha Hines in this. She plays Colonel Diane Foster. I thought she was a, a really nice addition to the crew here. She was. I There were just so many characters I had to... Um... Yeah, but I don't even remember who a lot of these people are. The Colonel William Stens. 
Um, at any rate, yes, there's a large cast in this movie. It's definitely an ensemble cast movie. Yeah. Almost too many, but it, yeah. This was a big movie. It so. was. It's a blockbuster movie for sure. But um, you've got some trivia for us? Yep. Uh, one piece that you might like is that this was nominated for 11 awards. It won two. One was Outstanding Sound and the other was Best Vocal Slash Motion Capture Performance. I can. I agree with that. I can see that. It was nominated for uh, Worst Prequel Remake Ripoff Sequel at the Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> it didn't wow. win. That oh. honor went to Rambo Last Blood. Last Blood. <laughs> I remember that coming out and I had zero interest in watching it. I know that feeling. I feel like that for 99.9% <laughs> of movies I've seen. Um, this was the first time that Mothra and Rodan have ever fought each other. Which seems weird to me, but that does seem weird. Yeah, I think it's usually because Mothra is most of the movies that I've seen Mothra in, she's like sleeping or hatching or something for most of the movie, and only shows up to the end. Yeah, that's... like in this movie. <laughs> um, another thing to note: we meet um, Mark Russell when he's uh, photographing wolves. I think he was supposed to be studying them. His exact field of study was unclear in this movie. <laughs> But the point is that uh, throughout the movie, he makes a bunch of comparisons with the Titans to wolves and their pack mentality. Pack dynamics, yeah. Yeah, um, and compares Godzilla and King Ghidorah as um, alphas. Competing alphas, yeah. Yep. Uh, wolf packs do not have alphas. They have, like, elder wolves that lead the packs. <laughs> um, alphas only really exist in captivity when they are not related. I actually didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I found that out while researching this. Okay, all right. <laughs> so this was the first Godzilla f- uh, film to be released during the Reiwa period. Yes. Is that? Yeah, okay. All right, 2019. Yep. It. They don't count it as like a Reiwa Godzilla movie because it's... Um, American made. American. Yeah. But yeah, that was something to note. And this was... The, well, this isn't the first movie to incorporate the original music. The first American. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I was going to say, uh, Shin Godzilla had it as well. But yeah, I, that was one of my favorite parts about this movie. It was like when Godzilla appeared at the end and it started playing that theme. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. I did not waste my last two hours of my <laughs> life watching this stupid movie. Well, we also got the Shobajin music. and yeah. Those ones I didn't notice. But I definitely noticed the Godzilla really? theme. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did you, did you get the Rodan theme as well? Um, I'm not as familiar with Rodan. I thought you liked the Rodan theme. Um, it's okay. Don't worry. I, about <laughs> <laughs> I'm more familiar with the Godzilla well, theme sure. music and the, yeah. the Mothra theme music. Because they're much more uh, central characters, I would say. Okay. Uh the orca was named after the fishing boat in Jaws. The fishing the boat name. in Jaws was named the orca? Yes, it was. But that was an acronym, wasn't it? I don't remember. Oh, boy. We're not <laughs> we're not qualified to be talking about this movie, apparently. It's all right. <laughs> um, and my final piece of trivia is that Mark Russell and Tony Stark live in the same lakeside cabin. They share it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever someone has to go be broody, they go there. To be honest, like the story behind this movie isn't that different than Adventures Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been a time skip after a traumatic thing has happened, and the characters are all trying to scramble to like make it right and shape the future amidst forces they really have no concept of or power against. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It's the same movie confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, which one's Captain America? Like, I don't want to think about it that much. I don't have the brain power. All right. Clearly, all right. I'm not there. So. I'm sorry, because I have another long list for you. The locations of this movie, this world, perhaps, creep scene. Okay, so um, the movie opens in San Francisco. 
Yep. And then you see Mothra in the Yunnan rainforest in China. There's a hearing in Washington, D.C. I did actually like that scene where Thomas Middleditch is like, okay, roll the video. Hopefully this is the one that they blurt out the genitals. <laughs> if not, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Uh, we meet Mark Russell in Colorado. Uh, Castle Bravo is in Bermuda, like in the ocean in Bermuda. Yeah. Um, King Ghidorah is in Antarctica. Rodan's in uh, Isla de Mara, Mexico. Isla de Mara, Mexico. Yeah. There's uh, montages of monsters awakening and attacking. There's one in Sedona. It did not look like Sedona. No, it looked like Texas. <laughs> yeah, uh, Munich, Germany. Oh, yeah, because they were like drilling for oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are not doing that in Sedona. <laughs> <laughs> Munich, Germany, uh, Mount Fuji, Jebel Barkal, Sudan, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Cairo, Egypt. There's a pretty extended scene in Boston. Yeah, that's where the finale takes place. The finale place. is in Boston. This time Boston gets destroyed. Yep. Um, and then there's an ancient gun underwater Godzilla worshiping city. You said there's one resident, but wait, he died. No, Godzilla is the oh, resident. <laughs> you were trying to say that Dr. Sarazawa was the resident. No. It's like, do you have a head cannon that he's just still down there? Uh, well, he kind of is. Oh my god, that's hard. no. He definitely would have blown to smithereens. He was holding a nuclear bomb. <laughs> There's no possible way. <laughs> All right. Well, it was supposed to be that Godzilla was the only resident. Gotcha. Okay. Right. I it's, again thought that was more of a timeshare than anything else. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, then what did you love about this movie? Let's get this ball rolling. Let's talk. All right. Um, I loved a lot about this movie, actually. Like the music in this movie was amazing. It has a modern version of a, a lot of the old themes and they sound wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this in here twice, actually, because Serge Tankian from System of a Down covers uh, Godzilla by a Blue Acer called and it's wonderful. It's on my playlist. I when I was watching it, I took out my headphones just so I could listen to that song. <laughs> I thought you were doing that so that I could listen to it. Nope, that was self-serving. Oh, I still enjoyed it. It was nice. I but do like it, that song. It is a wonderful song. Serge Tankian one of my favorite artists. Yeah, we saw him in person. Yeah, we did. That was Way, a long time ago. like 10 years ago. Yeah, Something like that in Seattle. Well, the that last... was back when Key Arena still existed. Yeah, and the, like the literal last time they toured in America. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not like a System of the Down fan. There's nothing wrong with them. There's not my taste. But I, I mean, it was fine. Yeah. That was when I discovered that I'm really cranky about having to stand the entire time. People were <laughs> like, so it's like, hang on, I paid for this seat. I'm sitting in it. Mm-hmm. So I, the whole time, I just had my arms crossed sitting like. <laughs> yeah. I refused to stand up. I had fun. Okay. Um, I feel like this movie is entirely a response to the problems that people had with the 2014 movie. Ken Watanabe does a whole lot more than stare in this movie. He talks a lot Mm -hmm. and he revives Godzilla. Dr. Graham is much more fleshed out as a character, even though she kind of dies semi-pointlessly. But you get a better idea of her and her and what she wants. Um, All of the monster fighting are in screen. They're not like happening on a TV or in the background or Mm -hmm. something like that. They're front and center. You can actually see this movie. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it's, uh, it's honestly hard to see the TV most of the time here. So we had to watch this movie at night when it was dark. Yeah. A lot of the characters grow and develop and you can see what they're after. Like none of these felt like vanilla 2.0 to me. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at no point do you forget that this is a monster movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will say that I liked the doctors, Chen, the two twin sisters. I thought that they were, it was a, it was a nice kind of somewhat subtle nod to the Shobi Jean mm-hmm. from the Mothra movies. I, I was clever. It was one of those things that like you might not notice if you're not a fan already. Yeah. Um, on the rewatch that 
from my notes, I noticed that Mothra seemed to like connect with both of them. Right. There was definitely a connection between them. There was more than just they were there. Yeah. She almost, it was almost like she was kind of talking to mm-hmm. Mothra a little bit. So I liked that. Um, I also just found that overall, the two of them were much improved over Stan Lin in the last movie who had almost no lines and didn't really do anything to drive the plot forward. Yeah. As far as like Asian woman representation in this movie, much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that. Yeah, and um, the last thing I have wanted to mention here is that I feel like this movie overall does a better job of keeping to the message of the original Godzilla. It doesn't just like throw it out the way the first one did, and it makes that one better, in my opinion. Yeah, I I agree. You know, there's a lot that I didn't like about this movie, but you're right. This movie addresses a lot of the complaints that I had about that first one, that humans are not humans are like complicit in this movie and and we're forced to kind of address that complicity in this movie and i like that mm-hmm. i did like that part of this movie for sure yeah um and i guess that can take us into what we didn't love right? i'm gonna talk about this one if you don't mind oh, okay the first one the, all right the first uh, movie made. go for it just because i agree so th- there's a scene where the oxygen destroyer from the original godzilla movie is used against godzilla it comes out of nowhere there's no foreshadowing for it and it does doesn't end up doing anything for starters it doesn't hurt king Ghidorah at all but also godzilla is injured by it but they bring him back so Mm -hmm. whatever but it's with some foreshadowing to its use or existence exactly which would not have been that hard because they were already talking about how the u.s government wanted to find a way to bring down the kaiju um it wouldn't have been that hard to be say something like well we're developing a weapon or that kind of but nothing yeah all of a sudden the u.s government's just like haha we have this oxygen destroyer we're going to use it I don't that's stupid it was pointless all it did was move the plot to where the writer wanted it to be so which is kind of lazy yeah and considering like the original movie's gravity for this kind of weapon it this is my biggest problem with the movie yeah in the original movie dr sarizawa destroys all of his research because he doesn't he can't fathom the idea of that technology falling into the wrong hands and he ends his own life because he doesn't want to create it for someone yeah whereas this movie it's just like a throwaway line i didn't i didn't care for that a green nuke yeah it was i didn't like it very much i think it was supposed to be like a fun callback but i think it did not hit that mark at all no um and another thing that wasn't a huge fan of was just mothra sacrificing herself for godzilla that mothra is a good character i would have wanted to see her in later movies oh i'm sure we will i mean mothra has died in the original japanese movies too and comes back yeah but usually she'll have like laid an egg she was only like a week old in this well i'm i guess my point is (laughs) i would not i would i expect to see her in the upcoming movie next week Mm -hmm. Uh, i that would be weird if she wasn't in it especially all the the groundwork they laid for the doctor's chen yeah i doubt she won't be in that movie well i will be happy if i see her again in there but in in this movie um i would have liked to have seen her live well especially because they that was like the last minute thing that saved them Mm-hmm. as it is in a lot of times in these Godzilla movies and so like to have her just show up and you, it's been like foreshadowing for this moment and and you're all excited to see Mothra and she's beautiful and then dead yeah <laughs> although I will say that I don't necessarily think it she was dead like it I, I feel like it was kind of implied but it's not like you I, it seemed like she became a part of Godzilla we'll see yeah well I have something on that later actually. oh cool Okay, well, I think we can probably take a break here before we talk about what was ridiculous. I have some coffee left. I want to put it in the microwave. <laughs> I need to go put on some, some wool socks. My little toes are cold. Yeah, I got to stretch a little bit. Okay, we'll see you guys in a minute. Yep. 
Hey, it's Burr Martin, the Internet Selfie Dad. Join me and my wife as we talk about all the weird news from around the world. Mirror reports a married couple have slammed strangers for assuming their grandfather and granddaughter because of their 30-year age gap. Defiant Chelsea, 22, says they're happier than ever after the first meeting in a coffee shop. Bruce, a 52-year-old <laughs> retired car dealer, offered his recommendations on coffee, and the pair hit it off from there. They say that... You recommend a good bean, I guess you get a hot chick. Wow. <laughs> Gave her the hot bean. They say that they've been inseparable ever since they met. Bruce said, I never thought someone Chelsea's age would be interested in me. She has an old soul. <laughs> Insider. Uh, wow. I just knew that there were some really bad jokes rolling around. No, you just grabbed out both hands white knuckles, didn't you? Name of his 60. So subscribe now to the Burr Martin Experience podcast. It's a weird world out there. Let's laugh at it together. And we're back. Welcome back to Kaiju Coffee Break, podcast about giant monsters and the giant nerds who love them. I'm still Sarah. I am still Lee. All right. And we're going to talk about what was ridiculous about King of the Monsters 2019. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I know you have some stuff to say on my first point, but uh, bioacoustics didn't sound like a thing at all. And the entire point of the movie or plot of the movie kind of rests on it. Yeah. Bioacoustics as they portray it in this movie is not a thing. That seems right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. No, I know what you mean. It, it, the whole thing is a little bit of a deus ex. Yeah. Because it relies on just random. Yeah. And that they can track Godzilla all over the planet. And using control that. the monsters. That's mm -hmm. the part that's especially ridiculous. Yeah. So it, a lot of this movie relies on that big ask and it's definitely a big ask. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I wasn't quite sure to put my next point in uh, ridiculous or awesome, but the Argo is a flying, well, it's a plane large a enough. Flying plane, yeah. <laughs> Large enough to launch helicopters mid-air out of it. It kind of made me think of the helicarrier from That's Avengers. That's exactly what it made me think of was the shield helicarrier from Avengers. I feel like it's the exact same idea. It even kind of looked like the shield helicarrier, honestly. Yeah, and it, it seems to be like mystically powered because it just flies all over the world with them. It's just their mobile base. <laughs> so ridiculous. It Well, it fits the rest of the movie, I will say. Um. Yeah, no, the Argo, ridiculous. I think this movie like presupposes a pretty significant leap in technology over the five years. Yeah. Because the previous one, they didn't really have any of that kind of stuff. Like it was fairly solid based on the science that we had now at the time. And then this movie is like way farther in advance than five years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I will say that one of the things that I thought was ridiculous that I didn't put in the, the notes because I forgot. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> is um, they didn't learn anything from Godzilla, the original Godzilla movie. Like they still did not shield their stuff, and it still got way messed up by Baby Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, mm -hmm. come on, guys. We don't learn anything. They're they're doing their best, but they uh, are absolutely not doing their best. <laughs> they're also not bringing their best people, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Godzilla sitting on top of an erupting volcano flaring its wings with a cross in the foreground. was a weird. It's a crazy scene. They're trying to say something with that for sure. But the first time I saw it, I just kind of laughed. What exactly are they trying to say? I think they were trying to call Ghidorah the devil. <laughs> that would be my guess. Oh, but okay. either way, like the first time I saw that scene on the little T 
TV on a plane going to Japan. I just kind of laughed at it. Is that when you watched this movie for the first time? It might be. Wow. I can't remember at this point. I've seen it so many times. That this I'm, I feel bad for you. Don't. <laughs> um, well, then if we're going back and forth, I will say I didn't like the character of Mark Russell at all. I felt like he was like, I remember I told you this when we were watching, like he felt like a self-insert in fiction. <laughs> like for one thing, he knew everything about everything. Yeah. Which is ridiculous for someone who's been out of the loop, like a raging alcoholic and divorced his wife, disappeared from his daughter's life and went to study wolves and doesn't even know anything about wolves, apparently. <laughs> and and then he just shows up and not only does he like know the right answer all always, all the mm. time, he's also a bad A and he like gets a gun and he runs into firefights and it's ridiculous. The man is supposed to be a scientist. Yeah. Um he is a much better character to watch though than um well, he's Ford Brody. Definitely and- more nuanced than Ford Brody, I will admit. Yeah. But I honestly, I'm getting also a little tired of the like, I'm sorry, I wronged you, my daughter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to be a better father now. It's like, come on. Mm-hmm. The mom was way more interesting. But I had problems with their dynamic too, frankly. Yeah. It was weird that the daughter was fine with the slaughter of her mom's research team, but like drew the line later mm-hmm. <laughs> when her mom lost control of their experiment. Yeah. I originally watching it thought that the daughter didn't know that the mother had allied herself with the eco-terrorist. But she did. Yeah. Like, the daughter was way more complicit in this than I thought. Yeah. Well, I think she was radicalized by the mom. They should have showed that then. Yeah. Because um, at the very beginning, she, the message, the email that she was writing to her dad made it sound like she thought her mom was going to do something dangerous, but she didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, and then obviously she did know. <laughs> So, yeah, I just, I didn't really care for the family. The mom, I don't know. I I, like, I kind of liked the idea of the mom losing control of her idea. Yeah. You know, but the rest of them can go die in a hole. I don't care. <laughs> I, I mean, Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown is great. She's a good actress. Yeah. I think, I understand she was very good in Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things. She's a much different character in this. So she's got some range to her. Yeah. Um, however, I did not care for Mark Russell at all. Again, better character than Ford Brody. Yes. <laughs> but that's a really low bar. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I didn't mind him, but I, I didn't have the same issues that you had with him, and which are definitely valid. The plan to launch a nuke at Godzilla to bring him back to life is like peak ridiculous, <laughs> I think. I mean, I think they had fairly decent evidence that it would work. Well, in the past, they tried to destroy the Titans, Mudos, whatever you want to call them, with the pure concussive force of the blast. And that's like we're gonna hit this plane with a hammer and hope that it comes back on (laughs) i don't know it just it's that's the fonzie method yeah they were trying to fonzie godzilla back to fight for them (laughs) it worked so what can i say but still it worked except for then he was like supercharged and he was going to explode himself yeah. yeah which i don't really remember how they resolved that um so mothra like showed up got atomized by Kidora and then merged with Godzilla and like altered that energy to something that Godzilla could control. Okay, that was not clear. I it took me several watches to figure that out. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> so uh do you think we could talk about what was awesome about this movie? Um these are all yours. I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry. It's I'm all right. Stupid. 
the special effects that this is a big giant blockbuster movie and sure. it shows for sure yeah. like this is a spectacle from beginning to end and i'm there for it except for the parts where we're supposed to feel bad for mark russell for being a deadbeat dad <laughs> that's where we're supposed to like breathe <laughs> go to the bathroom all that stuff <laughs> i don't care about your fatherly struggle i have to pee yeah um, the monsters designs were all really good. Like turning Rodan into like a flying lava rock monster was pretty Rodan was sick. Yes. That put a lot of points in Rodan for me. Like even though he was kind of a bad guy in this, um, I thought well, that was a pretty cool design. You didn't really talk about the kind of underlying idea behind this movie, which is that Dr. The, the female Dr. Russell, Emma has developed this bioacoustic thing that can maybe control the kaiju Mm -hmm. and and she so the monsters are all like vying for control but Ghidorah is the the main one and they're all following him so yes they're bad but they've been like they're just doing what their alpha says to do yeah that's true um but yeah the designs of all the monsters were really good um Mothra was a little too like shiny to really appreciate her design (laughs) that scene was kind of dark too yeah of all the scenes that one was a a tiny bit hard to see and the other one that was a little hard to see was the antarctica scene where uh dr russell got stuck in the shuttle and was it dr graham saved her or whatever yeah it's kind of hard to tell what was happening in that scene (laughs) well i gotta say that some of that is our the tv that we have it's it's not very good at showing dark scenes our our regular tv is great at it but this one not so much. Okay. Well, anyways, we were talking about what was awesome, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, the finale of this movie, like, they continue to do a good job of ending them. Um, burning Godzilla, eating King Ghidorah, and... Um, Boy, that gave you some heartburn, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Godzilla. <laughs> but during that scene, um, Godzilla has, like, a pulsing, burning attack. And when those go off, you can see Mothra's wings in that attack and hear her call, Aww. which I thought was... a pretty neat little thing that we call back i don't know how many times i've seen this movie at this point but that that's the first time i noticed that was that on your second watch that you know or your your second watch for the podcast yeah just now like it two hours ago wow okay yeah all right so yeah um this movie is a spectacle for sure there's a lot to like about just like watching it and enjoying it i had a lot of fun watching this it's a popcorn movie yes for sure (laughs) all right well why don't we talk about bioacoustics all right um not what the movie has i'm guessing not so much so (laughs) sarah's science hour i'm so tired okay ready for this yep so bioacoustics what would you say you think bioacoustics actually is um judging by the snippets that you told me i would assume it's like how uh, animals will show up on radar underwater that's kind of it so Bioacoustics is a hybrid field of ecology and acoustics. So when you're talking about actual bioacoustics, like the kind the scientists actually study, we're talking about how animals make sounds, um, how they're using sounds, and then using their sounds to identify them as well. So there's kind of a lot of stuff. This is actually something that all of us do. If you've ever identified a bird by its bird call, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've practiced bioacoustics. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. Um, typically in this context, you're using bioacoustics to study parts of insects, birds, whales, anything to which making sounds is identifying or important to the animal. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Um, bioacoustics also investigates the way that sounds affect animals. So maybe you're talking about how seismic drilling impacts the, the nearby fauna or the way that animals communicate or whale sounds, um, that kind of stuff. 
humans are actually the source of most noise in the ocean now. So bioacoustics is also studying how that affects coral reefs and how that affects whale populations. And that's all under the umbrella of bioacoustics. Are you with me so far? Yeah, I think so. The reason I want to talk about this is that in the movie, uh, bioacoustics is used as the explanation for how Dr. Russell can kind of like control these monsters or the idea is supposed to be that she can kind of control them or, and they're kind of tapping into like ways to communicate with the kaiju to some degree yeah. but they don't really understand how mm. they're doing it they're just kind of doing it <laughs> which is basically the same as like walking up to your cat and going meow and sometimes they sometimes they react yeah they meow back uh <laughs> so the, but the reason that i still wanted to talk about bioacoustics even though what they're describing in the movie isn't really a field of study is that I think it's interesting. So especially conservation bioacoustics, which is a separate or not separate, but like a, a subfield within bioacoustics. Uh, the idea behind conservation bioacoustics is that you can use recordings of nature um, along with computer analysis to determine the location, ranges, population, et cetera, of animals of interest in an area. Um, this has only just in the last couple of years become its own distinct field. And the reason, there's actually kind of two reasons. There was two technological advancements that we needed to make in order to make this work. First of all, we had to be able to cheaply record because you're not going to take a multi-thousand dollar audio equipment to the middle of nowhere and nail it to a tree and leave it there, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to be cheap. There are nowadays we have access... cost effective. Well, nowadays we have access to audio recorders that are less than $100. You can put it in a plastic baggie with minimal sound quality reduction and you can Mm -hmm. just nail it to a tree somewhere and leave it there. So that's one thing. Just in the last couple of years, the availability of audio recording devices that are small enough and powerful enough has really come into its own. Yeah. The other thing is, is until recently, someone had to listen to it. (laughs) And no, I'm sorry, not even your postdoc or your grad student or even your undergrad, God forbid, wants to sit there and listen to thousands of hours of recording to hear the animals and then have to identify them. Yeah. But we have computational biology now like we have access to these computer algorithms and artificial intelligence that can comb through this data and listen and i've um, actually linked an article in our show notes it's called uh, listening to nature the emerging field of bioacoustics and the I, I recommend reading this article because it gives good graphics to show how the computers actually do this but the idea is basically like you just leave the microphone there and it runs for you know months and months and then a computer can go through and identify every single organism and what speed down to the species, right? Wow. And this allows you to essentially take a census of the forest or whatever environment you're talking about, whether mm-hmm. it's a forest or an underground coral reef, whatever it is, these, these computer analysis can identify the organism, how many of them there are, and also human-created noises too, like poaching or drilling or all these different things. The reason why this is important is because... Um, it gives us a much better picture of what life is actually like on a day-to-day basis inside these environments. As an example, say that I am an ecologist and I want to know how drilling in Prudhoe Bay is affecting the local population. Mm. I can look at satellite footage overhead of this area. Maybe I can see the caribou, but I certainly can't see foxes or owls or lemmings or any of the tiny little animals, right? Yeah. I can walk through the tundra but I'm going to scare away everything nearby. Mm-hmm. I can set up cameras, but then I'm, they're only facing one direction. They don't retro, stretch, stretch very far, right? Yeah. Acoustics is a way that we can passively collect data all the time in all directions over much longer distances and then use that information not only now 
using artificial intelligence to tease out the details, but also store it for future generations who probably will have more powerful computers and a better idea of what to do. The people who are doing this, they envision having essentially museums full of acoustic information that people who haven't even born yet will someday find a use for, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. I wanted to read a uh, quote from Listening to Nature, the Emerging Field of Bioacoustics. It's an article from Yale. Uh, a recent steep drop in the price of recording equipment and the rapidly expanding capabilities of user-friendly artificial intelligence algorithms are heralding an era of big natural audio data. One key use of biological ac- acoustic monitoring is tracking what is known as defaunation, the hard-to-detect decline of animals like birds and monkeys from a habitat that appears intact, for example, animals shot and trapped by poachers in an intact forest. That kind of is the same thing as what I was talking about, where like the environment may look okay, but we still don't necessarily understand how our activity is affecting it. Because in order to observe it, we have to be there, and that changes the equation, too. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I want to be clear that the goal of bioacoustics is not to control organisms like in this movie. I mean, obviously, there is some degree of that happening. I I couldn't find any evidence that scientists are really studying this. But, like, if you think about dog training methods where you use a clicker, Mm. that's kind of bioacoustics, too, if you really think about it. Yeah. But generally, we're not using this to control animals we're using this to understand them and study them it's just a new tool for observation Mm -hmm. um i don't even necessarily think it's possible to do that and i don't think anyone would want to try because we really have no idea what that could do to the environment like say that you wanted to route whales around a dangerous area for them you could set up something to discourage them from going there but you don't really know how that would affect their behavior yeah um that would kind of be like using that mosquito i guess (laughs) the (laughs) acoustics i feel like we talk about acoustics on the show a lot I don't know if it just comes up because of the subject data or because it's something that I'm kind of interested in. Mm-hmm. Probably both. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I wish that I had a little more time because a friend of mine has actually studied acoustics. His, his uh, undergraduate degree is in acoustics and then his uh, graduate degree is in electrical engineering and he actually works for the Navy mm-hmm. um, studying acoustics. Yep. Um, and I just saw him like a week ago. <laughs> it would have been great to talk to him for this, but it's pretty hard to get anything done in Northern Alaska. Our internet situation is real bad. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And they do uh, this kind of stuff near Ketchikan, my hometown, right? Right. So uh, in the Beam Canal, they're studying not necessarily fish. They're study- They're not necessarily studying animals. We don't really actually know what they're studying because it's not public knowledge. <laughs> Um, but it's my understanding that it has more to do with research and development of sonar techniques for the Navy, not the effect that they have on animals. Yeah. There were some pretty amazing um, stories about what might happen oh, if you right. ventured into the yeah, waters. I think that your, your dad's like, you can't go there, they'll shoot you. Like, no, they, they will not shoot they'll you. They'll just yell at you. They just don't want you to be there because they don't want the noise from your bow to affect them. Yep. <laughs> this is not the part of the Navy where they shoot people. This is like the egghead part of the Navy. Yeah, that- but yeah, we would go fishing nearby there and my dad knew not to go too close. Otherwise we'd get yelled at or. Well, there's the same, um, the same research group has another, uh, research area south of Sandpoint in mm-hmm. Idaho. And we used to see the submarines when I was a kid. So it's always kind of interesting to me that those, the two places that I've lived and like the biggest places I've lived have been tied together by this, uh, particular brand of research by the Navy. But at any rate, they're not doing bio. As far as I know, they're not doing bioacoustics in the Beam Canal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that's pretty new, a new field. Okay. Um, like I said, because we only have recently have developed the two kind of branches of technology necessary to make it happen. But we've been practicing bioacoustics for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. If you really think about it, like the whole idea of birding yeah. is based on being able to identify the birds based on their sounds. And 
I'm pretty sure you can identify an eagle, right? Yeah. Uh, doesn't sound like what it sounds like in the movies. <laughs> Eagles sound so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a red-tailed hawk you hear in movies when they want yeah, to make that, an like, eagle sound. crazy cool screech noise. Eagles sound like babies. <laughs> yeah, like this is another like weird thing that happened because I grew up in Alaska. I assume um, eagles in the lower 48 sounded differently. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because I saw eagles all the time as a kid. <laughs> There'd be a tree full of 50 of them right outside the canning plant waiting for them to dump the entrails into well, the water. You know, Be- uh, Benjamin which Franklin, they don't do anymore. Benjamin Franklin wanted uh, the national bird to be turkeys. Yep. Because he thought eagles were kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And honestly, I can't help but agree with him. I think that's all I have for bioacoustics. I just want to say thank you for hanging in there with me. I'm sorry. My asthma is a little bit out of control with yeah. the weather and I'm working on it. So I'm sorry if I seem low energy. I'm really just low on oxygen. It's all an adjustment. Yeah. Um, all I have to say about turkeys versus eagles oh is that I have never almost run over an eagle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I almost ran over a possum a while ago. Really? Yeah. It was, I mean, it's been a while, but... Yeah. That's it. That's all I have for Sarah's Science Hour, unless you had anything you wanted to add. Uh, no, I think it's time for some quotes. Sarah's Science Hour is over. The end. So I couldn't find this quote, and I should have written it down earlier, but um, when Godzilla's heading for Isla de Amara, um, Mark Russell. <laughs> See, you've already forgotten his name. I'm bad with names. That's not a mark on the movie. What's, That's a mark on me. What's my name? Uh, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> John. Joanna? No. Mm. Okay. Well, anyways. <laughs> All right. Um, Godzilla is headed for Isla de Mara and um, Mark. 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 <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, warns that Godzilla um, is coming for a food, a fight, or uh, he makes an F sound and then says something a little more intimate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that made me giggle. I, saw that. I feel like that's a reference to uh there's a quote in a textbook that i saw that was like the three f's it's the four f's oh okay <laughs> yeah well, what, what are the four f's then don't say the bad word um food fight uh what is the third one is it flight maybe eh, whatever hold on now we gotta look this oh, up God. In evolutionary psychology, people often speak of the four Fs, which are said to be the four basic and most primal drives of animals evolutionary adapted to have, follow, and achieve. Fighting, fleeing, feeding, and mating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's funny. Yeah. All right. um, Another quote from, I think, again, is Mark. uh, How many nukes you got? (laughs) (laughs) None of your business. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. this one is a call and response. Why oh, don't you okay. My God. Zilla. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that had more punch in the movie. Sorry. Sorry. I, let's try again. Oh, God. Mark Russell goes. My God. And Rick Stanton goes, Zilla. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that made me giggle. <laughs> and um, again, we got Rick Stanton going, oh, I get it. A little Sarazawa, let him fight action used to love it when you say that and, and then mark russell says no this time we join the fight yep so still so dumb. <laughs> whatever um the last quote i have in here is sam coleman uh, is it just me or has he been working out in circumstances are you kidding me sarah's has got that lizard juiced 
And uh, Colonel Diane Foster goes, damn right. <laughs> so that was after Serizawa had nuked Godzilla, basically, yes. and died in the process. Yeah. Um, okay, so those are quotes. <laughs> yes. Um, so how would you rate this movie? Oh, God, two out of five. You did not like it, I huh? didn't like it. It was boring. I, I have trouble believing that. Like, this might be the biggest discrepancy in our ratings, because I would rate this four and a half out of five <sighs> stars. I really like Barf. this movie. <laughs> I did not like it. It's stupid. And I think that it's good that we watched Skull Island, which I enjoyed a lot, mm-hmm. so that people don't just think I'm just a hater. <laughs> like, it just, I don't, it just, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't catch me. I, I, it didn't give me any feelings at all. Yeah. Um, I rated this the same that I rated Kong Skull Island. Uh, that one was a, a much better movie. Um, it, you know, it was cinematic. It had a great story. This one is just pure stupid fun. This and movie is missing something, and I think it's a soul. I don't think so. I think, like, I think they soul wanted, is fun. I think they wanted Millie Bobby Brown to be that soul, and it just didn't... Not that she did anything wrong, but like she couldn't carry the movie by herself. <laughs> the, this movie needed a Marlowe, and it didn't have one. Mm. You know? I... I I don't think I agree with you, which is... Well, obviously you don't. Which is fine, like yeah. differing opinions, but I really like this movie. It's a lot of fun. I I have seen this, I don't know how many times, just because it's stupid fun. It's not like the most serious thing I've ever seen, but it's have a fun you, watch. Have you met me? I'm anti-fun. <laughs> you are not anti-fun. I am anti-fun. You've been playing High Rules Warriors with me. That game is fun. Yes. You are pro-fun. <laughs> pro-fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep telling myself that in my darkest moments. Sarah, but, you are pro-fun. Um, Kong Skull Island almost does this a disservice by being such a serious good movie. This one is its just fun. It's funny because I feel like this movie takes itself way too seriously, whereas Kong Skull Island had... It, it didn't take itself that seriously, you know? I, I would... You know what? It's fine. Okay. But, like, there's a scene in this where... Ghidorah like bites a power station and powers up and spreads its wings and shoots lightning into the sky, destroying helicopters and planes. And that's not serious at all. That's what I have to say. It doesn't have any self-awareness. I think it entirely does. And that's why it's so silly. God, it's just so dumb. I think the problem is this is what I like about this movie or what I hate about this movie is what you like about it. So we can sit here and talk about it all day. But at the end of the day... You're going to be impressed by Big Boom, and I'm going to think it's stupid and pointless. Well, I think I, I think it's perspective. Like, you're saying all of these things about it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's wonderful for that. <laughs> <laughs> they're problems for you, but they're pros for me. <laughs> yeah, well, so if you agree more with Lee, you'll enjoy this movie. And if you are right, you'll agree with me. Hey, that's biased. <laughs> is so, there anything else you want to add to about this movie before we take it out? Um, no, I think I would definitely recommend you watch this. Um, I'm really looking forward to Kong versus Godzilla, which comes out in four days and we will try and, well, four days from this recording and then we'll try and get it out to you next weekend. Yeah. So next week you'll get a bonus episode from us. <laughs> well, we're trying to get back on track after kind of getting really off schedule with our move, which I think is understandable. People aren't going to hopefully blame us for that. But yeah. yeah. And once we do Kong versus Godzilla, we will go back to the classic movies i am so excited (laughs) oh my goodness i need that in my life right now this has also been a fun break from those like in a way sarah's giving me quite the look i wish you could see it but this is an audio medium (laughs) 
gross. <laughs> Skull Island was good. I liked Skull Island. I would actually watch that movie again, maybe. It was on last night on TV. <laughs> they cut out a ton of it. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like the entire bamboo scene. Oh, it's too graphic for TV. Yeah. <laughs> we have cable here. And I haven't had cable in so long. And unfortunately, it, it is quote unquote cable. But there's there's not really any like copper connection between us and the rest of the world. Like there's supposed to be a fiber optic line, but I, I don't think it's, we're not using it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody is, but we're not. The college is using it. Yeah. It goes um, right to the college, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah. Well, because the college used to be the North American Arctic Research Laboratory. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, or the National Arctic Research Laboratory, whatever. Anyways, point being, we have cable TV that's actually satellite TV because there's a satellite farm outside of town. So GCI has this connection with a satellite uplink and then they transmit it to our TVs. So even though it's cable. And what is GCI? Global Communications something. GCI is the like the Alaska cable company. GCI is like the Alaska cable company. Like yeah. if you have cable or high speed internet in Alaska, it's it's almost certainly from GCI. <laughs> yep. Um, and I'm mad at them because in 2013 they dropped Root Sports, which was the only thing I wanted to watch on cable. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we can't even pay extra for it or anything? No. It's not on the service at all. stinks. Well, anyways, honestly, it's unwatchable. Like, every once in a while, we'll get a channel that comes through okay. Yeah. But most of the time, it's it's totally janky. Yeah, it's so weird because, like, Comedy Central comes in fine and then... Not always, though. When we watched Bob's Burgers, it didn't work, remember? Bob's Burgers was on Cartoon Network, Uh which is always spotty. Yeah, whatever. Um, The only one that we seem to get okay is 360 North. (laughs) So I came out of the bathtub one time and Lee was watching this like presentation from a scientist on the herring fishery in Southeast Alaska. Yep. That's about the only channel that we get crisp clear all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. We also only have one radio station here, KPRW. And it's it's NPR affiliate. So if I had to pick one radio station, that's the one I'd pick. Yeah. And our internet is... um, Oh, so bad. (laughs) Yeah. It's a... DSL, if I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Here, we can do a speed test right now since Ooh, we're not dope. really using That's it. That's just going to be sad. It's Great content here so that you can all feel bad for It's us. not going to load in the time it takes. Probably not. How about this? You fast. get it started, do the outro, and then tell them the results. Okay, that sounds good. It's fast.com, right? Yeah. Or not fast.net. Fast.com. Okay, it's loading. So, I'll take us out and yep. we'll update at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kaiju Coffee Break is brought to you by Pants Pending Studios and our patrons on Patreon. Become a patron at patreon.com slash pantspending or make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash pantspending. Listen to new episodes every other Sunday at kcv.pantspending.com or wherever you download podcasts. And if you like what you hear, consider leaving us a rating. It really helps us out. Got something to say? Send us an email, kaijucoffeebreak at gmail.com. Tweet at us at breakkaiju or hit us up on Facebook at kaijucoffeebreak. As always, thank you as always to Andrew and Amanda of Pantspending Studios for the support and the send for bringing out the weirdo in all of us. Yeah. We don't have a speed test. It didn't load? It did load, but it it's too variable. I can't decide how fast it actually is, so it mm. never finishes. <laughs> right now, oh, wait, I got it. It's 360 kilobits per second. Ooh, that is harsh. Mm, it was down to 23 at one point. Yeah, this will be uploaded through my phone, <laughs> if that tells you anything. You're probably, you should go like stand outside the satellite farm. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my coworkers at the hospital, she's just a traveler. She's only been here for two months and she had to get a new phone because she was on Verizon and didn't think to ask whether she would have a cell phone connection here. The answer is absolutely not. Yeah. No Verizon here at all. Nope. Alaska is AT&T or nothing. Yep. 
<laughs> Actually, it's not completely true anymore. It is because AT&T acquired ACS. Uh, I think Ketchikan has Verizon, though. Yeah, okay, you're, you're right. There are parts of Alaska that now have Verizon. Yeah. Um, we had some Verizon in Juneau when I lived there, but it was extremely bad. They had like one tower in town, <laughs> and that was it. For most of Alaska, Verizon has no coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely AT&T territory. Yeah, for sure. And then up here, yeah, there's no cell phone signal for Verizon. It's honestly two-thirds of the reason why we stay with AT&T. Even though AT&T kind of blows. <laughs> They all kind of suck. They, that's the problem is, is I, I haven't changed anything else because I don't, what's, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, AT&T blows, but Verizon blows too. Yep. Like, they all blow chunks and I hate it. And sorry, this is getting really <laughs> negative. <laughs> Point right. being, GCS is not great either. I, I keep getting these ads for like the local quote unquote high speed internet and they barely load. Yep. They're like trying desperately to reach me to let me know that I can have faster internet. They just can't <laughs> do it. But it just doesn't work. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening. We will be back soon because we want to get out uh, Congress Godzilla as soon as possible. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Oh, don't forget to wear a mask. Yes, wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Bye. Bye. Hey, hi! My big sister and I are so excited to introduce our new podcast to you. Trading Pages is a wonderful podcast. Tradingpages.pantspending.com Hold on, I'm not there yet. A podcast where two sisters sit down and talk about their love for surrealist novels, manga... Uh, no, 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 no. We're talking about romance, meet-cutes, daring acts of love... Uh, new plan. Each week, we convene online despite being 2,500 miles away to willingly have sibling spats about our taste in books. Each month, we assign each other a book outside of our comfort zone. And then the next month, we... Tear it to shreds? No. We discuss what we liked, what we didn't like. Usually that one. Bronwyn. And then we give each other a new book so we can start all over again. We release our episodes on the first Monday of every month so listeners can read with us if they want. We are a part of the Pants Pending Studios Entertainment Network. Find Trading Pages at tradingpages.pantspending.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Bronwyn, what are you doing? Hold on. I'm texting mom to apologize for our content this week. Again. All right. Uh, our main character in this movie is Doctor. I don't like him. So, all right, off you go. Probably the purr it did. Goes Tokyo, go, go, Godzilla. I can't play that. We'll get copyright striked.